Let's pray. God, uh, thank you so much for this morning, God, and bringing us all here, God. It, I was so fired up hearing that song. Just, just the power that Jesus has, it can change. He, he overcame death. And that's something we're also going to overcome as well, Father. We're so grateful for that, God. I pray for uh, the message, God, and I pray that you can speak through me. Uh, God, help me to speak with, uh, with passion, with, uh, with conviction, uh, Father, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will really work, Father. I pray for our hearts to be open to the message and what's going to be said. And, and God, uh, I just pray that we can walk away, God, feeling inspired to want to put into practice what we, what we heard today, Father. We love you, and we praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to set up my timer here just real quick, make sure I'm not going over. But, but guys, I'm so happy to be here this morning. And last, last week, I got a great opportunity to come back from Atlanta, Georgia. So I was in Atlanta, Georgia for a week, and it was, a, it was an exciting time. And so there was a campus training program that was out there, and there were students from all throughout the southeast, midwest, and also in the northeast coming together to get training to build campus ministries in our areas. There were over 200 people in attendance, and the church there is called the New York, the, not New York, the North River Church of Christ, and they have over 1,000 disciples in their congregation. And out of those disciples, they housed every single person that traveled from out of town in their own homes just so that they can get the training they need to build the campuses. It was an amazing time with just lessons, inspiration. I think what really encouraged me the most was that across the board when it comes to leadership, we were able to be connected with all the campus leaders throughout all the southeast, midwest, and in northeast, and just to see the unity that we have together, dreaming for the church, dreaming to see so many people on our campuses be saved and come to Jesus, which is such an inspiring time. And it was so amazing. And so just so you know, guys, there is a future coming. There are some people that are going to be raised up, and campus ministries are going to be incredible for years to come. There's so many great things in store, which is so encouraging. So, but today, uh, my lesson is going to be about boldness. Right, we're going to be talking about greater boldness. And when I think about boldness, I think about amazing men that God has called to fill in the gap and be bold. And when I think about this word, I got, I got a chance to look it up. And boldness, what it means is to do or speak what is necessary in spite of the possibility of negative outcome or consequences. Woo! I mean, I read that definition. I was just like, wow. That's bold, even in the definition itself, right? But I think about a couple of people who were called. You know, I think about Moses. You know, in the face of confronting Pharaoh, let my people go. You think that took some boldness to walk up to him? He was the most powerful man. And yet Moses had to be bold and go and talk to him. David, you think about Goliath. All of the Israelites were afraid. Didn't want to face him. But David comes in with boldness and decides, I'm going to be the one. I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I know that God's with me, and I'm going to go take down this giant. The boldness that he had. You think about Jeremiah. This man had the word in his heart like a fire. And you know what else is crazy about that? He had to preach the word knowing that no one was going to listen to him. That is a boldness that, honestly, I can't even say I'll be able to make it through. <laughs> you know? That... 
But what's incredible is that boldness is an expectation of every disciple. It is part of who you are. How do we know? Where does it come from? Boldness is simply a symptom of spirituality. If you are a spiritual individual, boldness is just a natural outcome. You think about the New Testament, right? Unschooled, ordinary men. Right? The disciples, they were un- it says in Acts that they were unschooled, ordinary men. That these men were once terrified. You know, Peter, you think about him, and he was terrified when he was... And it led him to denying Jesus three times. But yet, this was the man that God chose to preach the first message of salvation. And then later on, in Acts chapter 4, you see that people prayed for boldness, and God gave it to them. And, in Acts, and later on in Acts chapter 4, we see that the Holy, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and it says that they spoke the word of God with boldness. In Acts 4.31. See, God is the one that gave us boldness. He's the one that gives it to us. You know, God gives us boldness when our objective is to obey Him and glorify Him with it. That's when boldness, we can be as bold as we can because we know it's about God. Amen? So today we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 3. And we're going to be reading about, about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we're going to kind of walk through that story together. I'm going to read it so it's a good chunk of scripture. But I want us to really walk away today knowing this scripture very well and knowing that I could be bold looking at this passage. Amen? So Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide and set it up on the plain of Dora in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefixes, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefixes, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other province officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, Flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So looking at this passage so far, we see that King Nebuchadnezzar has this whole, he was one of the most unrighteous kings written in all the Bible. I mean, this man was straight evil. I mean, he would literally kill innocent people. I mean, it was just, he was a mess. And so what he wanted, he wanted so much power that he set up these, you know, idols that he had and tried to get everyone to worship a statue of gold that literally was a statue of himself (laughs) to worship. Isn't that kind of crazy? (laughs) So, Let's continue reading here. In verse verse 8, At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zyre, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold 
and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or the or worship the image of gold I've set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I've made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Reshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your God or worship the image of gold you have set up. Okay, let's stop there. Wow. This is like... I'm like fired up, man. Just reading. Are you fired up about that? Woo! That's amazing. The conviction that these men had. And so we're going to dig a little bit more into this here. But I only have one overarching point that we're going to talk about this morning. And the only point is speak boldly. That's it. Speak boldly. These men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were men that were one man in all circumstances. Notice, you notice that about them. They were not, not like chameleons where they're changing along with the environment or, or, set, or setting of the society or the culture. These men were bold no matter the circumstances that they were in. You know, in verse 16, uh, it says, Shadmat, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. I mean, they're just boldly sharing that Look, we're not going to worship your gods. You know, so this morning, what are, what are you about? You know, when are you scared? You know, when are there moments in your life where it's like, I, I want to say this thing, but mm, nah. I don't, want, you know, I don't know where that's going to go. You know? you know, there's a lot of reasons why we probably don't say the things that we need to say, Right? But I think the attitude of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that I'm here to please God and no one else. You know, and so within this one point, we have a sub-point, and it's you will speak up when you fear God more than man. All right, that's, that's number one. Verse 13. All right, amen, you're clear about that. <laughs> so verse 13 says, Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then, what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? So looking at this, you know, he has all this music set up. I don't know about you guys. But I would probably be struggling if King Nebuchadnezzar was playing some R&B. You know what I'm saying? 
I mean, if he had some voice to men, some bride wing night, man, it would be so hard to not, you know what I'm saying, dance while that's going on. And by the way, voice to men, a.k.a. Corey Spencer. I mean, I'm just, I have to put that out there. My man, they're missing a key element to boys and men right in this room. Where you at? I know where you at. Amen. Y'all can tell them later. But, but still, like, in this situation, it's pretty challenging. But what's cool about it, what's amazing about it, is that they say that we don't need to defend ourselves. And they made their position before the king very clear. That we're not going to serve your gods. And sometimes we can be put in situations where we don't feel like we have a choice whether to speak up or not. Could that be true? You could feel like you're in a situation where it's like, man, I don't know. And, and, and the choices that King Nebuchadnezzar gave them was worship or die. That's like kind of like, wow, like what do you even, is that even a choice? <laughs> like, I, I don't even know, but you can tell how evil this king was. But I, I feel like sometimes in these situations, you know, when there's a, someone in a position of power, right, or someone that, that may be above us or, or, something, or something related to that, we can also be fearful. I mean, we don't have a blazing furnace in front of us, but I think what we do have in front of us sometimes is we can have people we're afraid to tell the truth to, right? I, sometimes we have situations that we're, in, we're on our jobs, you know, and, and the environment can just be very sinful, right, and unrighteous. And sometimes it's hard to even speak up in those matters. You know, I think people that we're trying to reach out to, you know, we're trying to help them to see different things, and it's, and it's hard. You know, we kind of shrink back. Um, I think one of the hardest things for me is having to tell somebody the truth that I actually love. You know, uh, and, and that's probably one of my blazing furnace situations, you know. And, but I, I want to share just a situation that I had a couple years ago. But I used to work at a bookstore at Burden Community College. And uh, this was a great environment and everything, but there was this one guy. I mean, there was this one guy there that every time we, we got together, he couldn't help but talk about, I mean, all types. Of, I mean, drinking, getting high, smoking, you know, immorality, all that stuff. And for some reason, he felt like I was the guy that I was going to be the one to connect with him with all that. You know what I'm saying? So I'm sitting there, and he's just sharing all this stuff, and I'm like cringing inside. I'm like, man. And I'm trying not to judge them at the same time. I'm trying to love them, listen to them. But it's hard to do that when it's just all this just unrighteousness just coming. And it's like, you don't want to agree with it. You know, it's just, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so it was just difficult. And so week after week going to work, it was just hard trying to listen to this. But man, but inside of me, I was just boiling up at the same time. And, and the spirit was just like, say something, you know. But I just kept, yeah, bro, yeah, wow, that's crazy, yeah. So, but then it was one day, it was one week that came, and and I went to work, and, you know, there was this this, uh, this woman that came in, and I, you know, I was cash, I was working at the cash register, and I rang her up, and then afterwards, he was like, hey, bro, you ain't, you ain't get her number? Oh, she fine, bro, how you gonna, and then I was like, all right, this is the day. This is it. I had enough. So then after that, we're working in the aisles, and I come up to him. And I'm like, dude, I, I got to share something with you, man. I really don't appreciate the way you talk about women. Like, if someone talked about your sister the way you talked about women, how would you feel? 
man, when that came out of my mouth, I was like, what just happened? It was like this movie scene happened in my brain. And I was like, did that really just come out of my mouth? That was a spirit, you know what I'm saying? But I remember telling him that, and he was just so taken back. Because he thought I was just cool with it the whole time. All this, and then all of a sudden, boom. He saw this side of me that he never saw, ever. And I'm pretty sure no one ever spoke to him in a way like that. And that changed our, re- our friendship. And I remembered after I said that, he never again, never again disrespected a woman in front of me. Never talked about it anymore. Never did it again. But why? It's because I allowed the Holy Spirit of boldness to work through me. To say something when something isn't right. As Christians, we have every reason to be bold because we know what's right. We know what to tell people. We know what to share. In Matthew 5, verse 14, Jesus says, You are the light to the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Isn't that amazing that God calls us a light to the world? I didn't see it. I didn't feel it at the moment. But that was the first time he probably saw real Christianity. That he really saw a real Christian. That really has convictions. And so, gosh, for you, what are situations at your workplace? What are situations and environments in your life that you have to speak up? And be bold about what's right. It could be injustice. It could be different attitudes in the workplace that make the workplace a mess. And no one's speaking up. Where is it in your life that you can apply this and decide, I'm going to be bold in this situation. And I'm going to create a change. And after that, the workplace was just such an amazing place to be. The environment just changed. Because there was actually some people who overheard it as well. So, <laughs> so amen. So, guys... Let's speak boldly in that sense. Let's go out and do that. Amen? Number two, you will speak up even when it feels uncomfortable. Let's see the time here. Okay, we're good. So the circumstances that they were in, you can think about it, that's a pretty uncomfortable circumstance. Right? I mean, there's a death threat right in front of you. You actually are looking at how you're literally going to die, right? That's what they were experiencing. And it was a very uncomfortable situation. And I think one of the things that, that's hard is that in order to be bold, there's no other option besides leaving the comfort zone. Like, that is like, guys, I wish there was another way. <laughs> I wish there was a way around it, a different formula. Like, I even sometimes I even pray, God, is there another way? I mean, Jesus did that. But the reality is, to do things that are bold is going to take us to leave the comfort zone. You know, and for me, personally, I do not like conflict. I avoid it. I try to avoid it every chance that I get. And there was a situation earlier this, this, uh, this year, around February or January, you know, there was a conversation that I needed to have with someone, and, and I was just procrastinating, man, putting off. You ever had that before? Like, there's like this difficult conversation you got to have with someone, and it's like, just keep putting it on. I'll do it next week. Oh, I got to pray about it, you know, pray about it for like three months, and then, all right, I'll talk about it. 
right? But there was a situation I had to deal with, and, and I'm just like, I don't want to deal with this. And then my phone start ring, ringing, and I'm like, that's Maurice Hooks. Uh, oh. So the phone's ringing, ringing, and then the reason why I was feeling that way is because I know he's going to ask me about how that conversation went. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm just thinking about that as the phone's ringing, and I'm like, all right, let me, let me pick it up. So I picked it up, and then as I pick it up, I'm like, I hope that was the last ring that happened. You know what I'm saying? So, so I have to call him back later. Or but, you know, he was still there. We talked, and, and uh, he asked me about it. And, and I was just like, nah, you know, I didn't, I didn't talk to him. No. And then he said, Charles, this is one of the things you got to grow in. You got to learn to deal with conflict in your life and in your ministry. I was like, whoa, man. But he was right. Because avoiding conflict only leads to more. (laughs) It only piles up. The more you avoid it, the more you can't even focus. The more you can't do the things you actually want to do. And that was such a big part of my character that I really had to change. In Acts 20, verse 19, Paul says... You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that will be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. Man, Paul had a conviction that he never hesitated to say anything that's going to be helpful to you. You know, what are you hesitating to say to someone that you love? What is is pulling you back? You know, and and Maurice, man, I, I want to say I'm so grateful for you, man. Like, I'm grateful for how much you're able to see so much of my character that needs to be more like Jesus. And as we know, Jesus was not a conflict avoider at all. <laughs> he was willing to stand up against anyone and anybody. And as disciples and we're following him, we're able to do the same thing. We're able to get up, stand up, and be those that are bold to talk about the things that are maybe uncomfortable to talk about or to address the things that need to be addressed. And guys... What's even encouraging about that is after I ended up speaking to the brother, he has grown in that area of his character in ways I've never seen before. That Yeah, you can clap about that. The brother has been doing so well. And I'm just like, if I would have never, if I would have kept avoiding that area, this character that needed to grow, and I also needed to grow, he would have never experienced the character change that he needed, that the Holy Spirit was trying to work through me on. So guys, let's... Even though it might be uncomfortable, when we decide to be bold, we will make an impact that will last. Amen? Amen. And thirdly, you will speak up when your convictions matter more than the consequences. You will speak up when your convictions matter more than the consequences. Verse 16, listen to this. This is one of the most inspiring parts of the story for me. Verse 16, but... Even if he does not, we want you to know that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Man, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego lived such a surrendered life. They were like, I don't know about you, man, but I pray sometimes and I'm like, God, please deliver me from everything. Please just take the issues away. I just want one of more problems. But... Their conviction and their attitude was, 
God, even if I got to suffer the consequences of this, I'm still going to obey you and not worship those gods. What a conviction. And so I wanted to share back in uh, Atlanta, uh, when I was in Atlanta, there was a brother there who goes to Georgia Tech University. So for those of us who are not from Atlanta or from Georgia, don't know about Georgia Tech, it's one of the most, I mean, it's up there with like Ivy League schools. It's one of the best schools of engineering in all the country. All the world, actually. They have international students that come from all over as well. And so there was a brother who goes there. He's gra- he graduated. He just graduated uh, a couple weeks ago. But he took his last final exam before he graduated. And uh, when he took it, he actually cheated when he took the exam. So he had the answers with him, and, you know, he cheated. And this is a brother in Christ, okay? So he cheated on the exam, and he handed it in. Then a day, a day later, and between those 24 hours, within 24 hours, he just felt so convicted about it. He felt like, man, I don't, this was wrong. This was wrong before God. I'm supposed to be a disciple. I shouldn't have done this. And so what he decides to do in that moment is he decides to email his professor. And he writes to his professor, just like this, he says, Professor, I have to be honest. You know, I understand that I'm graduating. I understand that this is going to be a big moment for me in the next week, next two weeks. But I, I wanted to let you know that I did not, I was not honest on the exam. I, I cheated. I, I was not honest about the answers. I had, the, I had an answer sheet next to me. And not only that, but I'm a Christian. And I'm a disciple. And I did not honor God when I did that. So, Professor, if there's any consequences... If there's anything I need to do in order to make this up, I'm okay with whatever it is, and I'll do it. So he sends the email, and he doesn't, he doesn't hear from the professor for like a few days. So you can imagine the anxiety the man had. I mean, <laughs> so he ended up getting an email a few days later, and the professor says, can you please meet me in my office, you know, the next day at whatever o'clock. So... He meets up with the professor the next day, and he sits down with him, and the professor says, I've, I've been teaching at this school for 30 years, and I've never, ever, ever seen a student confess the fact that they cheated on the exam. And not only that, but say that it was dishonoring to God. Never seen that before. And he said, because of your humility and your openness, I'm going to allow you to retake the exam. And I'm going to give you an extra week to study. And I'm going to let you take it again in my office. Man, he was fired up, right? I mean, he was just so fired up about that. And so he takes the exam. He studies again, right? Because, because of grace. What should you do with grace, right? <laughs> Don't, don't let it just waste, you know, you, you got you work. So he went, he worked, he studied, he took the exam, he passed it, did great, and he got to walk in his commencement two weeks ago. <laughs> Guys, it takes boldness to be real about who you are. It, it takes boldness to say, this is what I've done. For the honor of God. And that was the same thing that we see in the scripture. In verse 16, 
even if he does not. That was his heart. Even if God doesn't deliver me from this, I'm going to be honest. And I trust that God's going to bless the honesty that I have, no matter how ugly it is. And that's exactly what he did for him. Where are you at today? Where are some areas in your life you just have to get bold in? This is where I'm at. This is who I am. You know, if you're studying the Bible this morning, you feel stuck. It's probably because you're so fearful about being honest about where you're at. Guys, we see that God blesses honesty. He blesses the boldness that we take to be honest about who we are. And when we do that, He, he will deliver us. God has so many promises. But even if He does not, I'm still going to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 28. This is the most encouraging part. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Guys, this is huge. (laughs) What they did actually made King Nebuchadnezzar praise their god. (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar ended up praising his god, their god. Guys, do you really believe that if you can be bold... There are people that you don't believe that would become Christians, become Christians. This man was a sinful guy. So much sin, so evil, that their act of boldness led to him praising their God. Guys, I really believe that when we're bold and we decide to go out on faith and do that, we will see incredible things. People's hearts will change in ways we never even imagined. But it takes a step in the conviction of boldness. To go out and make an impact. Because it will change the world. So guys, as, as, we, as I wrap this up, I want to encourage us. Number one, speak boldly. And within there, speak boldly, no matter the circumstances. Speak boldly, even when it feels uncomfortable. And speak boldly. What was the first point? Got it. Help me out. Y'all remember the first point, right? (laughs) Yes. Fear God. Let me say it again. All right. Fear God more than man. Be bold no matter the circumstances. And be bold even when it's uncomfortable. Amen? Amen, guys. That's what I got for you. Let's give Charles another round of applause. Thank you so much for talking to us about boldness. Uh, We need that. We need uh, more boldness. Uh, We're going to have one closing song, but before we have a closing song, we're going to pray for our sister, Marsha Watson. She lost her sister this morning. Um, So we're going to pray for her right now. Uh, Let's bow our heads in prayer. God, uh, thank you so much.